thinking and feeling are two sides of the same coin. They're essentially inseparable from one another. We often speak as if they're separate things that don't relate to one another, but of course they do. However, an easy way for us to conceptualize this is that thought creates feeling or that everyone is just living in the feeling of his or her own thinking. So thought, when defined like this, is not just talking about thoughts that are conscious. You know, what are you going to eat for lunch today? It's explaining a broader process at work. It's the energetic process that brings your experience of reality to life, your unique perspective. It's what makes it real for you. And we're going to dive into why this is true in today's episode. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. I'm Amy Leo, and you're listening to What We Should Have Learned in School. Today's episode is going to pick up right where we left off last week when we were talking about the only logical conclusion that we can draw when it comes to where our feelings come from, what actually causes how we feel moment to moment, day to day, year to year. So in last week's episode, I threw out some maybe kind of airy-fairy terms that didn't mean that much to you. I talked about the principle of thought and the principle of consciousness. Again, you know, those definitions don't really do much for anybody unless they can see them at work in their own life. So at the very least, we can all agree that there's times when we feel in control and times when we do not feel in control. So I'm talking more about our internal landscape. There are times where we feel we can make conscious choices and choose not to eat that brownie. And there are other times where we feel like we're on autopilot and we didn't really have a choice. It was just a a compulsion to eat the brownie. So what often gets missed in personal development, in the spirituality realms, in counseling even, is this impersonal factor of life, this fact that there are times where we are not very aware, where we don't have the sensation that we can make a choice, that we are running on autopilot. We're living in is what sometimes is termed reaction, quote unquote. So I'll give an example to kind of hit this home. I was on a plane recently and there was a bit of turbulence and there was a little boy that started screaming with laughter and joy on the first bout of turbulence. And I thought that was really cute, so I smiled myself. Now, in the second bit of turbulence, I began to feel sensations in my body that were really uncomfortable. My heart rate was escalating. I was beginning to sweat. I felt extremely hot, as if I really wasn't able to breathe. Now, that's often called a panic attack, and... In that moment, I did not have control over that. 
That was just the natural result of my thoughts at that moment. There was nothing wrong. It was uncomfortable, yes, but it was an example of how the human animal functions. So I was unaware of kind of the thinking I had in that moment. I did feel out of control. The panic began to set in. And then my sweetheart was there and he reminded me to just breathe. He could tell that I was struggling a little bit. I was pale and sweating. And in that moment, my awareness shifted a little bit. Sometimes we talk about this as a consciousness shift, but you don't have to use that woo-woo term if you don't want. It basically was a change in awareness, a change in the amount of choice I had in that moment. So in that moment, I did decide to consciously slow down my breathing. And with that change in consciousness, I was able to see that what I was thinking during those anxious moments, right before those anxious moments, it happened so quickly together. Whatever quality of thought you have, you will feel a similar quality in your body. So what I mean by that is I was aware that I was having pretty morbid thoughts during the second bout of turbulence. I looked at my sweetheart and I said, oh, well, good. At least, you know, if the plane goes down, we'll die together and we won't suffer. And then it occurred to me, oh my God, what about our families? If we died in a plane crash, how would they, how would they be able to cope? Now you can tell that that kind of thinking would promote sensations of panic, of anxiety, of fear. It's very important to make the distinction here that turbulence did not cause my feelings of anxiety. If turbulence was the true cause of my feelings of anxiety, every time I get on a plane with turbulence, I should logically then experience anxiety. And I don't. I've been in the air my goodness, countless hours. I've flown hundreds of thousands of miles over the past five years. It doesn't always occur that I feel anxious every time I get on a plane, every time I experience turbulence. This is very different from the teaching, the counseling, or the coaching of other people where they ask you to identify triggers in your environment completely bypassing the fact that the middleman is really at work, that it's really thought and your level of awareness that is causing how you feel. So what are some of the take-homes from that little story I shared? Well, first off, when we think about the human experience, when we begin investigating the principles of thought and consciousness, we can see, first off, it's changing, and it's changing all the time. My experience was a flow of sensation. I wasn't in the feelings of panic for a very long time. That's one thing we also miss. We tend to think when it's going bad, when we feel bad, that we'll feel bad forever. And that's not true. Sometimes I have folks come up to me that have a diagnosis like depression and they'll say, well, no, Amy, I am depressed all the time. And I really invite them to investigate the truth of that statement. 
because even if it's subtle, every human being's experience is changing. You cannot stay in the same state of mind 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. It's impossible. And when people start to get that little inkling of awareness that their moods do shift, actually, the more that they lean into that, the more they see that they can and do experience a pretty wide variety of emotion and sensation. And the other take-home from that story is the fact that what caused my feeling was the neutral shifting in consciousness. It was thought, but it wasn't thought in the way that we often talk about it. I often hear people talk about thought as if it's something they can control. And as we've already discussed, we can't control every thought that comes into our head. And it isn't our fault when compulsive thinking pops in, self-deprecating thoughts pop in. That isn't a reflection of us being a bad human being. It's just a reflection of us being human. So I invite you to really question the validity and the practicality of continuing to blame either ourselves or things in the outside world, even other people, for how we feel. What would life be like for you if blame wasn't even a concept that you knew of? Who would you be? What would you be free to do? If you weren't always looking to control yourself and other people, if you weren't always looking to blame something that isn't actually the root cause of your experience. We're going to dive a little bit deeper into this next week, and we're also going to talk about an amazing capacity of every human being to have a new experience and how that happens. I'm Amy Leo. If you want to learn more about me and the work I'm up to in this wild, wild world, all you got to do is go to amyleo.com. Until next time, take care, stay curious, and keep rocking.